Christy Bilbrey. Right after college, I started my career in the Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you, and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thanks so much for joining today. We are continuing in the Thought Leader series, and today's episode is one that a lot of people have been looking for, and this is reaching out to media. This can be daunting, this can be exciting, and so you are going to love today's guest. Jody Fisher is an award-winning publicist with 20-plus years of experience in New York City and national media markets. At Austin Williams, he leads the agency's public relations practice, overseeing all phases of publicity for clients across the healthcare, higher education, financial services, and professional services. As a former New York City radio reporter, Jody brings a newsroom assignment that's savvy to his work that seeks to make stories immediately interesting and actionable to reporters and editors, leveraging his strong relationships across print, broadcast, and digital outlets. Jody, thank you so much for joining us today. Christy, thanks for having me. You know, usually I'm the host of a show, right. so it's nice to, to turn the tables here and be a guest. I've had you on my podcast the PR podcast, but this is fun. Now I get to switch seats. Good. Good. Absolutely. Well, I, I feel like I can't kick this off without one of those annoying questions that, you know, if you're a guest on podcast, which my clients are, you have to get used to these. So I'm putting Jody in the hot seat a little bit here. It does sound very exciting. 20 years in New York City PR. Um, So what is something, what's a story you can share that was either like something went wrong or something hilarious or something exciting um, that you can tell us about? How much time do you have? <laughs> um, well, I'll say I'll say this: if if something hasn't gone wrong in twenty years of public relations and and uh, several years of of being a radio reporter on top of that, then I wouldn't have been doing much, right? I mean, True. mistakes happen all the time; things go south all the time, and I think that's kind of the business that we're in as as PR mm-hmm. people is to um, is to think ahead to try to diffuse all the landmines that might get in your way and in, in, in the way of a successful execution of a PR campaign, but then okay. also being nimble enough to pivot or to move uh, or to, you know, sidestep things that come up that either you didn't think of or things that you couldn't possibly think of. I mean, right. a classic example, you know, is, is putting a, all, all your eggs into the basket of a big event on mm. a Tuesday. And then suddenly on Tuesday, there's breaking news. And there right. goes your big event. I mean, it's something as simple as that. Um, so I think just kind of thinking ahead, having the best plan strategy and also communicating that to your client. 
I think that um, in in PR, we it's it's tempting to get caught up in the logistics and in the sort mm-hmm. of the tactics of the the release and the pushing it out to the media and the getting the uh, you know the event set up or or getting the pr- uh, the press release. Um, um, uh, reviewed by the client or whatever, and and you 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 don't communicate it clearly to the client what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, so so clear communication behind the scenes really really important I think in PR. Good point. Good point. It is easy to get. I also stuck. didn't answer your question. <laughs> I noticed that, but I, I feel like that's also wow. We'll that's a there. good we'll tip that there. we. I had a I had a client on who was a guest and she and her husband were on the news for 30 years. And so lots of reporting experience and something that they talked about was redirects and how to do that well. And I feel like you gave people really good tips, but you didn't make, you didn't make anybody look bad who maybe you. <laughs> I'll give you one. On I'll give show. you one. Okay. So I, I represented the Intrepid Sea Air and Space Museum for a number of years uh, okay. in New York. And one of the coolest things that I did with them was we managed the arrival of the, um, the space shuttle enterprise. NASA wow. gave away all their space shuttles. Okay. And uh, the Intrepid was lucky enough to get the Enterprise, which was at the Smithsonian in Washington and bring it to New York. And there was a whole campaign behind winning that. Mm. Um, but something else that we did for the Intrepid is we actually moved, it's an aircraft carrier in New York City for people who aren't familiar. And it's a museum that's located on the aircraft carrier. Okay. We, we, we I say we, <laughs> we're the PR people, <laughs> but- they moved the aircraft carrier to refurbish it several years prior to that. The, and they, you know, they t- essentially tied a bunch of chains to it and pulled it out of its, you know, its, its birth where it was there on the, on the west side of Manhattan. The first time they tried it, they couldn't move it. Oh, no. <laughs> so we've got all this media. We've got helicopters flying over top. Oh, you know, no. it's morning live shots and the, the whole thing that the eyes of the world are on the ship that hasn't moved in whatever it was, 25, 30 years. Oh, my god! And gosh. they pull it and pull it and pull it and it wouldn't move. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you have to go into kind of here's what happened mode and here's why right. it didn't happen mode. And, you know, we're going to do our best and try it again. And when you know it about a month or so later, tried it again, and it actually moved. And oh, it man. Worked. The joys so of being alive. something that was live. just completely beyond our control, right? That was just, you know, you, you, you couldn't predict that it wasn't going to move. I guess maybe you could have, but in any case. <laughs> yeah, something that could be this larger than life moment, and you have no control over, hey, that's life. We have no control over a lot of things, but... It's a good story. And you were able to continue the story because it sounds like a month later, you were able to make it happen. Month month later, I got down there myself in my scuba suit. And I just, you know, <laughs> there you go. Got all there the dirt go. out from underneath the hull. Anything, anything can happen. You have to be ready for anything in this industry. So speaking of, um, you know, media getting out there and thought leaders who are listening what do you think is the best way to become a thought leader, kind of given your background? Sure. Um, you know, I think let's take a step back maybe and talk about what thought leadership is. Yes. Because right? uh, it's really, it can get overused. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody talking thought leadership, thought leadership, and we got to have be thought leaders. And, uh, it's, and it's, it almost gets to the point where you're like, well, what the heck are we talking about? Um, to me, thought leadership is, I have a slightly little different definition of what thought leadership is. Thought leadership is generally defined as 
um, or what people typically think of thought leadership is, um, is sort of putting out opinion pieces, right? Or, uh, or checking in on here's our expertise, here's, here's what we know, here's why you should do business with us, here's why we are the best in the industry that we're in at what we do. Um, and, that, you know, people, like I said, largely think of that as, you know, the op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, or um, maybe it's the opinion piece in the, in the vertical publication or the trade publication, or, you know, something like that. I broaden out thought leadership a little bit. I kind of think that everything contributes to thought leadership, whether that's the stories that you're pitching to reporters, whether that's the subject matter expert that you're quoted as in the larger article that's being written about a particular topic. Um, it can be the opinion pieces, absolutely, you know, mm -hmm. the long form thousand word byline kind of thing. But it can be also, it can also be your social media. It can be your mm -hmm. Twitter. It can be your TikTok. It can be your whatever it is that puts forth who you are, what you do, why you're really good at it, and why people should pay attention to you when you talk. To me, that is the definition of thought leadership. So it comes in lots of different forms. Well put. Well put. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one specific thing and it can be based on your strengths, your personality, where your audience is at. That's right. I love that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Edelman, Edelman did, uh, 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 Edelman public relations did a survey. Uh, it was last year. Um, and they came away with it, with a few key learnings and I can, uh, th this is available online and you can, you can refer to it, your listeners to it if you want. Um, but what they basically found in this survey was that one, that there was so much thought leadership out there that people were starting to ignore it. Mm. Um, and that the majority of it was so low quality that people, that that was a major reason why people were starting to ignore it. Um, and so I go back to the way I work with my clients uh, and interfacing with media and making sure that whatever we put out there, whatever we give to media, whatever we ask media to pay attention to, um, to give us their bandwidth, um, it's got to be high quality. I use the word actionable. Anytime you send something to a reporter, it's got to be actionable. And I, and I draw on my years of experience from being in a newsroom, mm -hmm. seeing how newsrooms operate you know, decisions get made very quickly, you know, and it's been said a million times, and we'll say it again, reporters and editors and newsrooms are getting 500 of the thing you're sending them every day. So you need right. to make sure that not only does it stand out, but that it's brief enough mm -hmm. to let them go in 10 seconds. Yup. Because otherwise it's going to be nope. <laughs> Too long. If they have to think about it. Yeah. If they have to think about it, if they have to figure it out, if they have to, you know, then it's like, forget it because they've got lots of actionable stuff coming over their transit. So make sure that whatever you're giving to them is actionable and make sure you're writing it in a really clear fashion. It's one sentence right at the top of the email. I'm pitching you this person who can talk about this thing for the opportunity for the thing that you write or do or broadcast or say boom that's one sentence it's done it demonstrates that you've done your your research you know what right. they do the reporter does you know the needs that they have and you're trying to match up what you've got with what they need simple as Excellent. that and that, that works that works whether it's a guest pitch on a TV show or a subject matter expert for a newspaper article or, yes, an opinion piece for the Wall Street Journal. 
That's great. I love that. We'll, we'll try to capture in the show notes that template you gave. I think that's, that's great because I think people do worry, oh, I need to, I need to sell more. And so they make something lengthy. And so good point that they are so bombarded. Shorter is better. Um, let's kind of back up a little bit and dissect. That's kind of the end result we want to get to. So to get there, I guess uh, first first would be researching media contacts and you know whether it's both kind of looking into outlets and then the right person because if you're sending everything to the completely wrong department, you know you don't know if that person's going to move it along or not. And so, what kind of tips do you have for kind of knowing yourself, knowing where maybe you do fit in, and to to kind of go about finding those contacts. Sure. So a couple of things. One, I have a rule. Unless I'm specifically told to do this, I don't send anything to the info at email inbox, right? That's, mm-hmm. the, that's typically the inbox that the, the outlet publicizes to allow right. people <laughs> to send everything to. Um, and, and so I don't send it to, I always send it to a person, an individual. And all that takes is really calling up the outlet and saying, hey, I've got something that I want to send to the newsroom. Here's what it's about. That also, by the way, gives you a chance to preview what's coming, to sort of hook them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to send this. And who's the best person to send this to? Um, now, sometimes you're going to get someone who's not interested in helping you out. That's right. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of other ways you can, you can research who you need to send to. I'll tell you the easiest way is just to go on the website of the outlet that you're going after. Go roll the way down the bottom, contact us. Nine times out of 10, there's a whole list of staff. <laughs> just do a little research right. and then cross-reference that with what's published on the website. You know, is, is Joe Smith the right person to send this pitch to? Oh, wait a minute. Joe writes about this thing, not that thing. I don't want to send it to him. I wanted to send it to Susie. Right. Great. Cause she writes about this. There's your research, right? You don't even need a fancy media monitoring database or any kind of anything to, to do that. Just mm-hmm. a little elbow grease. Um, what and, about you with- take the time to do that? Right. What about with social media? I know some, I hear some people prefer email. Some people prefer Twitter or outreach. Do you have any thoughts or best practices on that? I think you got to, you got to play by the rules that the reporter sets out. Sometimes the reporter likes to get pitches on email. Mm-hmm. You find their Twitter bio. They'll even say, send me pitches at, and they'll list their email address. Great. I'm yeah. using that email address because they've stated that's how I like to get information. Mm-hmm. If they don't have that there, you can take a chance at sending a DM to them. Realize that uh, you probably have to be connected both ways in order to mm-hmm. send a, a direct message. I would not just like tweet tweet out something and tag them. I think that's really bad practice. It's probably really annoying to the reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, however, respond to a tweet. And again, I'm sort of there's there's pro and con here, but I'm given options. Okay. Um, you could respond to a tweet that's in the like in the same subject that you're talking about and saying, Hey, I saw this. I've got a person who can talk about that. Can I send you something and allow them to feed back? Maybe, you know, if you can't get them any other way, Um, you know, social media can be good. You just have to be respectful. I think of Mm -hmm. what they're doing on social media because they're trying to manage their profile 
on social. They're trying to manage their information flow on social. They don't need me, you know, mucking up their flow. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it is. I feel like the convergence of the public and private is difficult because everyone has different preferences in what they yeah. expect and, and want that to be. And that just, you know, takes some practice as well. So how, you know, kind of, kind of in that vein, if, if people are, you know, okay, I, this is my area. I'm the expert in here. I want to throw myself out there and get to know media and help them get to know me. So aside from just cold pitching, do you have tips on for people who just want to start developing contacts with the media, developing relationships and, um, any, any ways to go about that? Plenty, plenty of ways. I think, first of all, you got to get familiar with who covers the area that you're working in, mm -hmm. um, what outlets and what individuals. Um, you've got to identify the right set of targets because if you just, if you put the cart before the horse and you write something and you just start blasting it out, you're going to get crickets. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I have... Um, sort of a, a phrase that I use with clients um, when they come to me and they say, we want to be in the New York Times. We want to be in the Wall Street Journal. We want to be in the book. And I say, that's great, but those are aspirational, right? And you are not a, you know, a sort of like a known quantity yet, mm -hmm. right? Whether, whether you're a startup or you've been doing this for 20 years, but you just don't have any exposure, any name recognition. And what I offer always is the, what I call the walk-up method or the ladder method, right? You got to start with the media that's going to cover you. And that's based on reporters cover things two ways, geography and subject matter. Okay. So talk to the reporters who are either local in your area who are going to cover you because you live and work in that area, or talk to the reporters and the outlets who cover your subject matter and, and start with the ones, you know, at the bottom rung. Now that's not a, you know, I'm not knocking anybody at the bottom rung, but there are differences between the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and sort of everybody else who's just a little <laughs> further down the food chain. And they'll all admit that it's not, it's not an insult, right? Mm -hmm. start, start on that first rung of the ladder, get that coverage, and then start to walk up to progressively larger or quote unquote, more important outlets. Because what happens is with those bigger outlets, with those more prestigious outlets, what will happen is when you pitch them, the first thing they're going to do is Google. If they come up with mm -hmm. nothing on you, they're going to go, well, who's this guy? Right. But if they come up with all those articles where you've been here, you've been in your local paper, you've been in this trade journal, you've been in this vertical publication, you've, you've been in a few things and you've had your voice out there a little bit. Well, mm -hmm. now they go, oh, and they can read that and they can get to know who you are, what you do, what you sound like, what you have to say. And then they start, the wheels start turning and they go, oh, here's how I can fit that person into my piece. Or here's how I can't, but maybe next time. But you mm -hmm. make it into their Rolodex. If you, if you just keep shooting for the moon every time, I don't care what they say about falling among the stars, <laughs> you're going to miss. You've got to start on that first rung and walk your way up. I like that. There's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's, it's great for a lot of reasons because not only is it giving you exposure and people are going to see those publications, you're developing your SEO, you're building your links both for larger outlets, as well as just, hey, it's good to show up in more places on Google for anyone who's looking for you. So it's really, it is a win-win 
uh, approach. So, and don't yes. forget those younger reporters who are at those smaller outlets become older reporters who work at those bigger outlets. So over Good time, point. you are creating a relationship that could end up that with that reporter at the outlet that you want further up that ladder. It's happened to me many times. <laughs> that is so a very good point. Don't, don't sell somebody short just because they're working, you know, they're writing for Joe's blog or whatever that is. I mean, I'm making a joke there, but you understand what I mean. Mm -hmm. Don't sell those people short. They are doing a journalistic job just like everybody else further up that ladder and start working with them, develop a relationship with them, be that person that they continue to come back to and grow that. And then you move on to the next and the next and the next. Excellent approach. Now, what about you've, you've given us a great idea for how to structure the pitch, how to find the right people to pitch when it comes to follow-up, how mm -hmm. soon, how long should you wait? Um, any tips on that? Sure. Um, follow-up. I typically do once, maybe twice. Okay. Um, right. You pitch it out. You get it out there and there are different schools of thought about, you know, what day of the week and what time of the day. And that's, that's kind of over-engineering things, mm -hmm. unless you know, when you have data for other than like not pitching at five o'clock at night, <laughs> Okay. you know, when you're up against deadline, right. Mm -hmm. Not calling people, you know, before dawn, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Um, just throw that pitch out there and let it sit 24 hours, sometimes okay. even 48, right. Day or two later, nothing comes back. Okay, you throw out that follow-up email and you just you know reply to that chain, just just checking in, seeing if this is of interest. Right, super short and simple, um, and always offer something in that follow-up. Hmm. Don't nag like eh, you know like I'm just checking in. I want to know if you're gonna do my story. You know that kind of thing. That's lousy, right? Hi, checking in on this. Um, I think that my person can fit your, your piece that you're writing because of X, or I think what we have fits into what you write about because of X, just a little extra sentence there. Okay. What that does is that psychologically, they read that and they go, oh yeah, that thing, hold on, let me read it again. And now they're down into the email that you originally sent, right? Instead of just saying, reading, just checking in and they go, oh my God, please delete. Right. Um, so give them a little extra, give them a little something, right? Because real, again, realize they're getting 500 of these a day. Um, it's ju they're just, the, the email inbox is just rolling over and rolling over and rolling over. You can watch it. Um, so give them a little extra, follow up once. If it's really, really good, if you think it's a really, really good story, you can do a third, you know, a second follow-up, a third email that says, hey, <laughs> just checking in one last time. Um, think, it, think this is a great story please let me know if this is not right for you. What you're trying to do is get them to at least say, no, this is not right for me, right? You want to get some feedback. Mm -hmm. No, this is not right for me. Or yes, this is right for me, but just not right now, right? That's gold. Even that. It's is, a response. Is, is a response. <laughs> and it points you in a direction. Yes. It informs the next thing you're going to do with that reporter, right? The, the one thing that drives PR people crazy is silence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if we get nothing back, we're like, oh God, what do I do? And then that doesn't help the reporter either because then we're probably not going to take them off our list if there's someone we want to reach. We're just going to keep trying. Right. Um, so so try, you know, follow up once, maybe twice. 
No, beautiful tip on don't just follow up with checking in because I think that's probably the bulk of what they're receiving. So having that little something extra, putting the time in to think of what could be beneficial to them. And like you said, what's going to prompt them to scroll back down and see what you originally sent. And while we're at it, make Mm -hmm. sure your email signature is in there. Make sure your contact information is there. Obviously they're getting an email from your email. Put your phone number in there. (laughs) There's no excuse to not put you. If they want to pick up the phone real fast and talk with you, give them that information. That is, that's actually a really good question because I, I've heard different people say different things about even calling. Now, if you want to put your phone number in and they want to call you, yes, that's great. How, I mean, do you recommend people call or you do? Okay. Cause some people sure, say no, I mean, do email. Not? I mean, okay. the, the, the right, the right phone call takes just as short a time. Let me say this in the right way. The right phone call properly articulated takes just as little time as it does to read the email, mm-hmm. right? And you can get, you can get again, more feedback if they pick up the phone and nine out of 10, they're going to, they'll pick up the phone. Their phone okay. rings. They're in the business of information. They're going to pick up the phone okay. unless they're just doing something else. Now, going back to the time of day, that's where time of day really comes in. Mm-hmm. I would never call a reporter past three o'clock okay. unless, unless it's, I need you need this information today. Like, I know you're writing this today. I just wanted to make sure you saw this because I think this can contribute to what you're doing today. Um, Otherwise, never call somebody past three o'clock and don't call them before 10 unless you want to leave a voicemail, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But realize you're, again, it's like the inbox. You're leaving a voicemail alongside of 50 voicemails. And I'm venturing a guess that a reporter would rather just go through their email because that's where they're living anyway. They don't want to sit and listen to 50 voicemails. Um, so I wouldn't leave a voicemail, uh, okay. unless I was going literally going back and forth with, with a reporter who wanted to talk to me. Okay. Good advice. Cause I've, I've heard mixed things about phone versus email and respecting their privacy. So you figure this is what they do for a living. They want the information. If it's helpful, if they're going to pick up, if they aren't interested, you'll probably find out very quickly after they, you know, it's kind of, it might be a bad analogy, but it's kind of like dating. Right. I mean, you call somebody once, they don't call you back. All right. Maybe you call a second time. They mm-hmm. don't return the second call. You're out. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. It's, I mean, there's definitely a, you have to throw the hook out there, see if they bite, see if there's interest. And if not, find someone who is and move on. So that is great. Do you have, you know, we've, we've kind of covered, how to think about it in terms of best practices, how to research, how to write it, how to follow up. What else do people need to be thinking about maybe in just their planning strategy for how they go about it that we haven't discussed anything kind of final on that? The most important thing that you can do, whether you're pitching a story, you're a subject matter expert, or you're throwing your opinion out there, which are kind of the three vehicles we talked about of being a thought leader. You've got to have a perspective and it's got to be different from everybody else's perspective. And you've got to be able to articulate that. You can't, you know, like be Dr. So-and-so at university XYZ and articulate the same thing that everybody else is saying. Mm -hmm. That's not going to get you ink. It's not going to get you airtime. 
it's not going to get the attention of the people you're trying to get the attention of. You've got to have your unique, maybe too strong a word, because that would mean only one person thinks of this in the entire world, but it's got to be an original thought. Mm -hmm. It's got to be something that's coming from you that advances the story that's, that gives more, right? Mm -hmm. If it's just the same old thing and they can line up 10 different experts, well, they're just going to take the expert with more name recognition anyway. Why? Because that reflects well on the publication, you know, here in New York city, for example, um, I represent a couple of colleges with a couple of subject healthcare subject matter experts and the healthcare subject matter experts have been very busy the last two and a half years. (laughs) Um, If they're not, but, but we're in suburban New York city, right? We're on long Island and there are the best healthcare systems in the world are on the Island of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So, so the New York city reporters have their pick of the, the best minds, if not in the world, at least in the New York city area. Sure. Why would they bother venturing out to, to me, to suburbia, to get a doctor who's saying the same exact thing as someone who's got greater name recognition that is closer to where their publication publishes? Remember, reporters are talking about subject matter and reporting on subject matter and geography. So to check the geography box, they're talking to the doctor in Manhattan. They're talking to the doctor in the five boroughs. They're not necessarily talking to the doctor on Long Island, unless it's a Long Island issue. Mm-hmm. So, but if that Long Island doctor has this really interesting, really unusual or, or, or a, a perspective that advances the story, that tells the readers something new, ah, now I've got the reporter's attention. So, and, and that's part and parcel of going back to your original question, being a thought leader. That's what being a mm-hmm. thought leader is, is pushing the envelope forward, pushing it out, saying, here, this is new. Here's how we do that. This is brand new. You haven't thought about this yet. Um, that's how you become a voice in that spectrum of voices um, that people go, oh, that person knows what they're talking about. I want to do business with them. Yeah, I think that's, and that is often pushed to the back burner. So I think really having that strategy, the differentiation before you start worrying about where am I going to get, you know, which, which outlets am I going to get into? It's okay. What really separates my story, my opinion, what I'm doing from everyone else. That is, that's great because yes, when you're in the reporter's perspective, it has to be something that they don't have somewhere else, either it's their geography or they don't have it, which also I think goes back to the question about research and okay. If you're in a if you're in a big pond, then, you know, how can you look different? If you're in a little pond, then how can you really start getting those links, getting those opportunities locally? And that's the conversation you have to have with the client before you're pushing send on the email, right? People right. think it's super easy. Just write down what I think and send it because they'll use it. No, they won't. <laughs> Not if it looks and sounds like everything else that's out there. Um, you've got to have that really pointed um, detailed conversation with the client to pull out, you know, the tiny grains of sand of what they're saying and why they're saying it and why it's different. Um, and that could be an hour conversation before a word gets written in that email, in that pitch email to a reporter or an editor. So, um, I think really pushing the client in this regard saying, you want to be this, this is what you've got to do. Um, and play reporter, 
You know, I mean, I mm-hmm. think some of the, you know, there are plenty of people. I'm, I'm not a unique person, right? There are plenty of former reporters who are in public relations now. Um, it's a set of transferable skills. I mean, we, we know how news people think because we, we used to be one. And I still have my mic flag on my desk right over here um, <laughs> to remind me of the fact that, look, news, you got to think a certain way. When you're trying to penetrate a newsroom, you got to think a certain way. And, um, and that goes back to having that pointed conversation with the client about what are you saying? You know, it's not just about ego getting your name in the paper. What are you saying? Why are you saying it? Why is it important that people know this? And if you can decode that, you're on a better road to becoming a thought leader. Great strategy. Great perspective. Really appreciate you coming on, Jody. Really appreciate your, your background, your perspective, and, and what you have offered to my audience today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. And everyone listening, you can go check out Jody, learn more about him at jodyfisherpr.com. And you can also look him up on Twitter at Jody Fisher. Yes, he was actually one of the few who was able to get his name by itself. So you can just go to Jody Fisher and find him there. Thanks so much for joining and looking forward to next week. We'll see you then. To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? Building your own show and audience takes years. Grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads, build your SEO, and strengthen your brand. To learn how my agency can help, email me at hello at christybilbury.com.